Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense. Purdy rolls right, looking to throw. Benito gives chase, comes back left. Purdy still looking, sets up, balls loose, rolling around in Iowa State territory. Redmond picked it up. Redmond on the run. Redmond scores. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast post-game edition brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Dude, like anywhere you can get a podcast app or whatever, I'm pretty sure we're on it. Like I even did, I even put in the link tree in the descriptions. There's so many different things I was not aware that hosted podcasts, but I'm joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. Stephen, how are you doing today, this Sunday, after the Brent Venables era finally gets kicked off? Uh, I'm, I'm good. Sunburnt, for sure. Um, aloe? I did hit up some aloe last night and uh, this morning. And then uh, a little bit hungover. Not too bad, though. Get that Pedialyte in? It? Gatorade? It was two Gatorades. I didn't have any Pedialyte. Usually Pedialyte's my go-to. Pedialyte, Pedialyte does the trick, man. Uh, what, what, what's what's your what's your go to Gatorade flavor? That's, this is important. Um, what is it called? It's the blue one, but it's not the light blue one. Is it? Oh, is it like the blue, blue cherry? cherry? Yeah, blue yeah, cherry. That, that one's a good one. That was one of the newer ones that came out with the white Gatorade that was just white cherry, I think, or some or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and, blue cherry's where it's at. My, my my favorite one is the controversial take, but I don't care. I think you already know. It my favorite is the cucumber lime Gatorade. Okay, yeah, I've tried it. It's okay. I don't love it, but if someone handed me one, I'll be like, all right. Like, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. That yeah, I like blue cherry. I like I like the the white Gatorade too. Uh, but the the cucumber lime one, it I I feel like it's only exclusively because I grew up because. Like I, I, my dad's Iranian, so I'm a second generation immigrant. And a lot of the food they cook has to do with cucumbers and limes. So growing up, I feel like there's just a connection that, like, oh, I gravitate oh, yeah. towards more, more towards that. So that's probably the only reason why. But this is not the reason why we're talking on this podcast today. Oklahoma beat the UTEP Miners 45 to 13, dude. Uh, they covered the spread, depending on the time of your bet. Some for for some of you is a push, um, and it was generally a good game for Oklahoma, despite you know other scores you saw around the country. People saw that USC score and immediately said, "Oh my gosh, they're going crazy on Rice." But 
didn't look at the score line as far as that quarterback threw several interceptions and several pick sixes and rice drove the field on them pretty well, actually. Uh, and they were just there. Baylor beat the heck out of a division an FBS school. I think Albany is not, uh, or an F- FCS uh, Albany is not an FBS school. So just the rankings, People's need stop stop worrying about the rankings. People like are freaking about the rankings <laughs> coming out already. Stop freaking about the rankings. I just want to get your immediate knee-jerk reaction. You were at the game. How did you feel about it? Just in general. It was interesting. I mostly came away with a lot of positive vibes. Like if this okay. is the foundation where Oklahoma starts and they build off this, we're assuming they're gonna build off this. It's a great place to start. Um, defensively, there's no question that the tackling was an emphasis over the offseason, and they got a lot better at gang um, tackling, right? Gang tackling, even open field, like the Jaden Davis one, uh, was pretty impressive. Angles that Brent, Brent talked about angles so many times, <laughs> which they don't teach that in the Alex Grinch defense, yeah. But offensively. There were some hiccups at times. I mean, the offensive line could have played better, and I get it. They're missing a starter. Guys are playing out of position. Guys are transferring in. They're in the offense for the first time. Dylan Gabriel probably has a little bit of rust that he had to shake off. That We probably should have expected that, but mm-hmm. um, overall, it was, it was a really good game. Yeah, and that's kind of the game in a nutshell, right? Like a lot of things you just said, and so let's talk about it. It is hot as hell outside. You know, it's the, the thermometers on the TV screens and the thermometers on the field in general just showed that it it was all the way over past 110 degrees on the field, which could mean a lot of other things that it was way over 110. Uh, but it, it was it was it was definitely an issue for fans. But. Brent's first walkout, the fans embracing him the the most in the moment after the game, especially in the locker room, uh, felt pretty special. It wouldn't have been an Oklahoma football season start with people already upset about fans leaving the game early. But let's start about (laughs) let's start off with that video that I think surfaced today. Uh, Brent Benables, he wins that game. You know, kind of summed up the game pretty well. He they win that game. And Joe Harrows is there, president of the university, Joe Castiglione. And so both the Joes are there, the AD, they're both there. And they give the game ball to Brent Venables, who is emotional. He, he tries to get into his coach speak and then get is overcome and overwhelmed with emotion. Tell me what you think about that, because I thought it was very, very special. And I think a lot of Oklahomans and a lot of the players in that room could really just feel that they're they want to fight for this coach and i don't think i ever got the vibes that the teams really 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 wanted to fight for their coach during the lincoln riley era yeah i thought it was important i'm not sure anyone mentioned it that the joe castiglione and and, uh, joe harris were in there just showing their support because over the offseason obviously with the lincoln riley stuff there's some comments made that kind of insinuated that not everyone was on the same page and they weren't given enough support as a staff from the administration. So I thought it was really important that um, they were there in that moment and Joe Castiglione obviously handing the ball off to, to Brent. Um, but even better is he, Brent has had a very long career um, and has had plenty of opportunities to become a head coach. 
Uh, I mean, he probably could have been a head coach 10 years ago if he wanted to. Yeah, at Auburn, he mentioned that a couple times. Right. Um, so the journey there, I think, is very special to him. And I think a lot of fans, both with Oklahoma and Clemson, uh, probably Kansas State as well, would be pretty proud of Brent because he's a guy that's very true to himself. Um, you know, he's never too big for the moment. Um, and it's a guy that uh, was very deserving um, of the position after, you know, everything he's gone through with Oklahoma, Clemson. Now he's back again as, as a head coach for the first time. Yeah. And doing some rewatch stuff. There were just times throughout the game, even though the defense was later, especially later on in the game, giving up some stuff when they were mixing in a lot of twos and threes. We'll get to that later. But there were just moments in the game where Brent was just like smiling on the sideline from ear to yeah, ear. It was, it. It, it was, it was like he, it was just brand new, and he loves it, and he knows, he knows the situation that he's in. That he likely, I, I mentioned this the other day, he likely never thought this position would never come open, this opportunity would never come for him, and now he's where he probably wants to be. I mean, he was known as that third Stoops brother. In 99, yeah. when they came to Oklahoma, so that has to be incredibly special. On it. I want to say it's a, it a dream come true, but it's pretty close to it, if yeah, not true. Certainly. And so, like I think I said, UTEP guys went down with a lot of cramps. Now, part of it was how fast the offense was moving for Oklahoma. Part of it was also the freaking heat was just <laughs> killing everybody. Uh, oh, you guys were actually relatively unaffected by the heat. If we're being honest, Steve Stutzman in a post-game interview said that they prepped in this heat with Jerry Schmidt and they were ready to run to the end. And that's uh, every time there was a whistle uh, for a player down, wasn't an Oklahoma guy. They were all ready to go. And what does that mean to you so far? I mean, like that they go and play probably the hottest game they played in quite some time. I mean, they were out there on the rugby fields especially Oklahoma, but what's that say to you that UTEP players, of course, they're not as talented. They're maybe not as physically developed. They probably don't have as, as, as great as a weight and conditioning program and stuff like that. But what's that say to you that in that amount of temperature, how high it is with the humidity and everything else, those dudes still had a lot of stamina at the end of the game. Yeah. It's a, a proof of concept in a lot of ways for Jerry Schmidt, but also, you look at the emphasis on the nutrition program that Brent wanted to build um, and getting these guys ready, getting them hydrated um, over the offseason. There's a big emphasis to bring in a chef, you know. Do you do think all the, they had like a P-charts up like Tom Herman did? It probably wasn't a P-chart. It was probably a little bit more sophisticated, but you can see it like in hang time where they say like, hey, eat this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink, you know, this amount of water if you're this weight. So, yeah, we're, um, we're publicly endorsing that, yeah, the YouTube channel. Yeah, I guess we are. That's the second time I've brought it up. It's a good, it's a good one. I, I'm subscribed. It's a nice look. Like, um, I don't think you can really, I'm sure there's other ones out there, but it's a pretty in depth look at uh, yeah. the inside of the program. Also, so. Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis's podcast is fantastic too. I need to have they done one lately? Yeah, they just did one the other day. I need to go, uh, you know, get on there watch it so but i thought it was great you know jerry schmidt obviously having an impact early but all of the ancillary pieces i guess um showing up as well yeah certainly Fun term there ancillary yeah that and that's a great word An- ancillary wow i encourage everybody that's listening to this podcast to use the word ancillary sometime this week in just any, in, it's, any, it's fun. Yeah, any capacity 
It'll make you feel smarter and people around you will also Google that word to see what you actually just meant. So that'll be fun. But so let's, let's talk about the game. OU's first three scores, they got 21, nothing fast. Their first score, a minute and 17 off the clock. Their second score, a minute and 41 off the clock. The third score, the reverse, 30 seconds off the clock for an early 21 nothing lead. What was going through your head at that specific moment? Because I was trying Jack, Jack asked me, he texted me, hey, you want to live tweet the game per usual? Sure, man. Yeah, I'll live tweet the game. And I suddenly realized I'm going to have to like, it's tough. Take some, like some sort of drug that will like Adderall to tweet these games because yeah, take a couple of Vivants. My gosh, the, that was lightning quick. That was like Blitzkrieg-esque offense. So <laughs> I, um, think I tweeted it out during the game. I was like, it's hard to tweet like the previous wow. play. If, like something happens, you know, Drake Stoops makes good catch. They're already lined up and going on the next play. Yeah, They, they didn't have the down marker set at some point. Three seconds between plays at some point. It was, it's just unbelievable. I'm struggling to keep up. And those guys are on the field just laboring and making it look easy. And then, so what, what, what were, what was going through your mind? Like they're just going everywhere, airborne, Eric Grace, you know, long runs. What was going through your head? I was surprised they went to the pass, pass heavy that early in the game. But I get it, you know, Dylan Gabriel, first game in front of, you know, 86,000 people. You want to get them comfortable, right? So, yep. Um, I think he missed on his first target to Mims and found uh, Drake Stoops and Mims again. So um, it was pretty cool to see how coordinated everything was. So um, under, I don't want to say the previous regime, but it kind of felt like everything was its own unit and they kind of just threw it all together. Um, both offense and defensively, they looked very cohesive. Um, everyone was on the same page. They knew what to do. Everyone lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like an actual game plan. I like actual game plans, you know, and, and I think, and I think honestly, if we want to talk about last year a, l- a little bit, I think Sh- Shane Beamer, uh, what, and what he's doing in South Carolina, mm-hmm. I think Sh- Oklahoma, especially with all the drama with Lincoln and stuff that we know about now, I think Oklahoma sorely missed Shane Beamer last year. I think he oh, yeah. was so integral to a lot of things on that team, not just game planning, but, culture of uh, in general and another thing that was interesting usually because we saw in lincoln's offense they would go tempo early in the game because the first eight to 12 plays are scripted Mm -hmm. so they know what they're going to be before they even run them so um throughout the game i don't think they really let up on the tempo that much yeah no i i I agree and i was just thinking oh my gosh if they if they are able to do this a lot more um the 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 rest of the teams are in trouble right like like it looks fantastic you know three straight touchdowns under a minute i was like oh my gosh this team's gonna put up maybe maybe 68 points today that because we did all of our all of our predictions i think i was like 52 to 17 i think you had like 60 something to 13 um but everybody was generally in the same area that they should be scoring around 50 50 and above and but holding them to at least maybe probably at most three scores uh, I think Seth had the shutout. I think he said 56 nothing. And going into it, I was like, man, I I maybe totally undersold on how much this team is going to score in this game. And Oklahoma ends up with 233 yard 233 yards passing, 259 yards rushing, 
At one point, they had UTEP negative 20 in the rushing department. Of, <laughs> and, and that's not just because of the sacks. That's because they were getting, just killing through the line of scrimmage. Uh, Jordan Kelly had that one play where he just ripped through and just like killed the running back and everybody ate him up. And he well, was screenplays and those little like uh, Jane Davis yeah. was on that hot on it. And of course, in Brent Venable's defense, they jump those routes, right? Yeah, you could see the anticipation. Um, you know, usually you look back even last year, they're going to want to wait and see what the play is going to happen. Jane Davis is already there before that ball was like halfway to the receiver. Oh, yeah, he diagnosed that thing early. Yeah, he was looked quick. in the backfield, and he went ran straight at it. It was, it was just so impressive, especially reading the quarterback's eyes and in playing just a different a different brand of defensive football. And so they had negative yards and rushing, and, and it was just unreal. Dylan Gabriel goes 15-23, two, two passing touchdowns, both Braden Willis. Kudos to him. Dude looks jacked huge but somehow more athletic which is the weirdest thing about it in that first rushing touchdown to first touchdown of the game eric gray only 16 carries 102 yards no touchdowns marcus major gets those for the running backs mims had three early catches on that was about it for him but that was about it for a lot of guys like drake stoops throughout the game uh 81 yards already did this game feel a little bit like a glorified scrimmage to you there were a lot of second and third teamers in there as early as maybe midway through the second quarter and i'm not talking about the offensive line because we already know what's going on there but there were a lot of second and third teamers as early on in this second quarter yeah they definitely put an emphasis on on guys wanting to get involved and they kind of want to see what the depth is because that's the biggest question mark for this team is how much depth is in the defense how much depth do you have a wide receiver um, along the offensive line, that kind of stuff. So um, we probably will see that one more time with Kent State. But after that, I think you'll see a little bit more steady rotations. You won't see as many names pop out there as often. So um, I definitely think that was like a week one thing. Okay, so like next week, you think Kent State provides more of a challenge. You think you'll see them a lot of more of the starters in for longer? Or what do you think? Uh, no, they'll, they'll probably rotate a little, one more time, but when you get into the big 12 and maybe even Nebraska, I don't think they'll, they'll go as heavy on the rotations. Like, I mean, con- congrats but, to Gavin Freeman, right? Oh gosh. But that's that was not- one of the more erotic things I've seen on that field. It was weird. Like I was at first, I thought it was Drake Stoops for obvious reasons. And then I saw the number on his chest and said, that's not Drake Stoops. And it, and then I was like, what? Oh, this man put on the spin cycle after getting hurt, after getting hit. Braden Willis doesn't get called for a block in the back a little bit. No, it happens to everyone. Everyone does a little bit. And and then he gets in the end zone. I was like, what is going on? There was so much rotation. So it was really hard to get a read on where they actually were. And it felt like, like, again, I felt like they were big winners just because nobody got hurt. I mean, Robert Mm. Conjol did leave the game, but. I think he'll be fine. It didn't look like anything serious. Uh, I, I could totally, I totally, I could totally be wrong on that, but it looks just like he got dinged up, especially uh, that was on the same play, I believe, where it was an illegal hands to the face, and so that's where his helmet helmet came off. So, 
other than I that, Javante Barnes was not going to get up from that that hit. That was insane. My man, my you you've been really high on Javante Barnes, and my he man is uh, best Perion Winfrey impression. Yeah, my my man's tried to truck somebody. His <laughs> first snap of the game ends up kind of like trucking himself and losing the ball, but other freshmen, I think Caden Helms is there to conveniently dive on the ball. So the, the kicker is it Zach Schmidt now is that Zach Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, I'm still learning the, the name of the kicker. So Zach Schmidt could still get that, that 45 to cover. Uh, but it, yeah, it felt a little bit felt like just kind of feeling things out. I mean, Levy came out and, and obviously Venables did too. They both came out and said, you know, they both felt good about the game. They both felt that that the game was good. They both felt that there were just some things they needed to fix, just some things they needed to adjust, and that film session was going to be something that was going to be hit, hit hard this week. And I kind of concurred. There are a couple things that I have reservations about that we'll get to later, but I thought that the team over, overall played pretty well. Um with the exception of a couple things that we'll also talk about. But do you believe that Wanye Morris missing uh, uh, the first game and maybe even next game, right? Do you think him missing and then having guys play different positions? I mean, Tyler Guyton's in there and then he gets a little bit dinged up. So you have to put in somebody else. Yeah. I think you had Sexton in there a few times a lot, especially at the end. Do you think the absence of Wanye Morris and shifting around guys caused a lot of those early issues for Dylan Gabriel, as far as the pocket kind of just collapsing on him and him taking sacks, which I appreciate him actually going down and not taking the direct hits. Yeah. I didn't want to Spencer Rattler himself, but uh, <laughs> it definitely had some play into it. Obviously um, it puts Anton Harrison out of position. So you're basically introducing two new tackles in a, in a weird way. But um, at the same time, you look at, um, like Bill Beanbow's past, I'm over here kicking stuff down. Um, it usually takes three games or so, three, four games before they start to really gel as a unit. The downside to this is you almost have to start over to introduce Wanya into the, the lineup and then move Anton Harrison back over. So yep. you hope it doesn't delay that gelling um, along the offensive line, but it will be a work in progress for sure. Because I I felt for the most part the interior offensive line between you know Chris Murray and Andrew Rame and Matower McKay Matower I thought they were all pretty good. Yeah, they, Matower they, I kind of expected a little bit more, but okay, we'll see. It's first game, you can't just say it's going to be all negative. So I I felt it's, pretty it's good a starting at, point. At the same time, UTEP sucks. I mean. I think we will know a lot more about this team next week. And then I think that that Nebraska game will be really, really pivotal to see, despite the fact that Nebraska doesn't look very good. It They are the first power five conference team you're going to face. And I think they're probably the toughest one out of all three you're, you're going to face early on the season. They might, I don't know who knows. Kent State might be better. I have no idea. Um, but, but I, I think, yeah, I think Wanya Morris missing, of course, like you just said, shifting guys over like Anton Harrison having Tyler Guyton come in. There was a lot of pressure. Sometimes a defensive end would just swim right past Tyler Guyton or whoever. <laughs> and, and Gabriel just had to go down and like, and he get, didn't, he didn't take that direct hit. 
And I think that was a big issue. But once they wanted to lean on the run game, they were able to lean on the run game. And so that's something that that was really positive as far as that goes. Now, something that stood out to you just in the game in general, it could be positive, it could be negative. But what is what are what is one thing, maybe a couple of things that really stood out to you? Obviously, the physicality is probably going to be number one. I mean, you look at even look at Stutzman's like just decleating the running back by himself. I mean, that was like holy cow! That's a great highlight. Good lord, like where's this guy been? But uh, I think if you had to look at the negatives, you kind of look at the secondary depth. Um, Utah or not Utah, UTEP obviously found something in that bracketed coverage or the zone coverage uh, up on that left side of the field between, I think it was, uh, was it Morrison and one of the other uh, second string DBs, but yeah, um, they found a little bit of soft spot there. They'll probably close it up. Obviously that's something you just correct on film. It's not, not too hard to do, but um, the depth in the secondary is, I could say it's, it's still a little bit questionable. And that's fair. And I, and I think, and part of it, I feel like is a little bit depth, but a part of it also, I think is just learning curve stuff. Yeah. I mean, Morrison just got there not that long ago. Uh, can I Walker? Yeah. He he's got a, I guess he's dinged. He's got a concussion. He mentioned on the Instagram one. story. Um, and, and I think it's just guys that are still kind of learning the defense, but what about but, Justin Broyles? He, hey, he man, looks, he looks not bad. In this defense where it's a matter of playing routes and it's just being where you're supposed to be and you're not necessarily playing your own scheme, like you are just playing routes and forcing the issue, I think he could actually be mildly successful in this iteration. Plays a lot more defense. than uh, Harrison. Yeah. And, and, and or it, Harrington, and it, sorry. It get, this defense gives the, the defensive backs – more chances to make plays and more chances to be physical. And if there's anything that Justin Broyles can do, it's that Justin Broyles likes to try to be physical. And so I think this, this, he's not going to, he's not going to like knock your socks off. He's not going to be a guy that's like, Oh, he's elite, but I think he could be a guy that's serviceable. Uh, like to some guy that comes in, doesn't play the entire game, has his snaps, has some good plays, maybe has some bad plays, but I thought he was pretty okay. Um, something that stood out to me, you already mentioned the pads popping. Oh, they, gosh, they were so more physical. But something that really stood out to me in particular was, I don't know, maybe the idea behind the safeties, in particular Billy Bowman, really being able to come up and actually make plays. And I mentioned this, but when we podcast with Seth and Chisholm about, Hey, this is a defense where safeties are actually able to come up and make plays. And you saw some of that, this just yesterday that Billy Bowman was coming up, making plays, getting up there, tipping the ball a couple of times, or it could have been picked off maybe, but this is a defense that is forcing the issue but also playing fundamental smart football and taking right angles. And that's something that really, really, really made me happy. Of course, they've got, like you suggested, they got a ways to go. Uh, there are still holes and things that Brent is still trying to use. 
four down linemen, which obviously isn't going to work all the time. And that leads me to my next thing that I, that really stood out to me as a positive was this man's not afraid to bring the house. Uh, this guy brought a lot of blitzers and he was scheming those things up in that times, which is very apparent. We are going to bring more guys and you can block. Let's see if you can get off press coverage. And I thought that was pretty outstanding. Um, any, is there anything else that maybe you thought was maybe negative in your in your mind? Negative, no. I thought another positive was in so many years in the past, we talk about the defensive line kind of bailing out the secondary. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, it felt like there's a lot more coverage sacks. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily a guy just got free and just got to the quarterback. It took him a few seconds to get there. And it mm-hmm. was because of the coverage. Yeah, they were it was it was very apparent, especially when the starters were in Woody Washington actually getting real. I mean, he mentioned in a video actually getting coached by a real defensive backs coach, and he was like, We didn't have that Roy Manning, which I was like, Oh it's crazy, my gosh, the, the amount of shade, but also the amount of not coverage that that didn't get, I thought was interesting. And um him the, him just using the sideline as an extra defender, it just is a key concept as a defensive back. Uh, he didn't even have to get his head around because he knew where he was in the field. He knew where the boundary was. He all he, all he did was put his hands up, and because he knew if the if the wide receiver was gonna catch the ball, he's gonna shove him out of bounds like he did anyways. And so stuff like that, I thought was pretty special. Something maybe negative. I don't know. What what could you really take away that's negative from this game third other than offense. the third third down offense and some of the some of the defense a little bit right because there were still several chances. I mean, like I mean, like I'm gonna complain about BYU, not BYU, UTEP going like five of eighteen or five of oh several from from third down conversions. Like, was it five of thirteen or something like that? I don't five know. Five of fifteen. Five of fifteen. Okay. One of yeah. two on fourth down. And I'm gonna complain about five of five of 15 on third down. And it felt like they had their quarterback dead to rights at about four of those five, five ones they converted that they probably should have been sacks. And that was the only one that kind of stood out to me as like, not necessarily negative, but obviously something that they can address pretty easily just by cleaning up that coverage. But like to your, to your credit, like in what you just mentioned, a lot of coverage sacks, a lot of windows that closed very quickly. And I know it's UTEP, but that's something to be satisfied on. And of course the, the talent only gets better from here that they'll face. So something that we do need to address, and you mentioned it earlier. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated. And you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. The second quarter lull from the Oklahoma offense in particular, they had those three straight strikes, you know, first, second, third drive. You thought the game was going to be on fire. Maybe it could be, you could be scoring 35, 38 by the end of the first half. And then you have a lull of three and outs, just, just straight passing the ball, no, no running the ball. And then you score one more time before half, and a UTEP subsequently also scores 10 points in that second quarter, I believe. And then Oklahoma starts running the ball at will. Is any of this a concern to you, or do you think this is just a natural progression of Brent Venables and Jeff Levy still trying to work out the balance and the ebb and flow of the game between the offense and the defense? And I know Danny Stutzman and other defensive players will say, well, we've been lining up against this offense the entire offseason, so we're ready to go for it. But you can only have so much limitation on what your body can do physically, right. especially what's going down there. So do you think that they're still kind of figuring that stuff out? A little bit, and I think they kind of corrected in the second half. Uh, we did get a little bit pass-heavy, and obviously some of those misses are on, on Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, some were um, wide open. they had looks they? To, to either score or at least get mm-hmm. a first down. So. Yeah. Um, just missed opportunities. I don't think it was, they just completely halted, but, um, you do feel a little bit concerned and some of it was Dylan Gabriel just wanted to spread the ball out more. I think he, his distribution was, I think everyone got like four targets. The main Mm -hmm. receivers got four targets a piece. So, um, they'll probably say, Hey Dylan, it's fine to keep going back. If it's going to work. I was surprised. I didn't see LB Bunkley Shelton. And that was, that was interesting. I was also surprised that, Jalou Farouk only had like, well, he had a, one or two catches, right? But it was almost unnoticeable because he we can one we, reception at four targets. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and we remember the Drake one catches. You remember the Theo catches. You remember the Mims catches. You obviously remember the Braden Wolves catches. Um, and so, yeah, it was pretty apparent that he was definitely spreading the ball around. But I mean, that's but, natural in the first game. You want to get everybody involved. You want to see what you got, but. You know, in tighter game situations, if Braden Willis is there, you just keep going back to him until it doesn't work. Yeah, gosh. He, again, he is a guy that's a leader on this team, and he, he it's wild to me that he looks way more built, way more physical, but also at the same time, still more athletic somehow. It's it's, it's just wild to me. And then Daniel Parker wasn't even playing. And as a wham blocker, Daniel Parker is just going to blow guys up, which I'm very excited to see. I don't think many people are going to be under the impression that Daniel Parker is going to catch a lot of balls. I think at his career, Mizzou, he only caught like a total of like five passes. Right. So he's just going to be in there to knock people backwards. Yeah, and I that mean, like, addresses some of your concerns with the offensive line, too, because you're just adding a, mm-hmm. a six blocker. Oh, and that it, it had to be weird to start off the game, right, for a lot of Sooners fans for just optics sake for that for the last however many seasons and games you've always had a right-handed quarterback now you're seeing a left-handed quarterback and then now you're seeing tight ends in different formations and you're even seeing tight ends in as like wham blockers and stuff like that it was just it was a little bit odd to see guys press to the boundaries and you haven't seen that for a long time. I imagine it looks a little bit odd at first that you're like, oh, this is heavy personnel that they're actually operating out of. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think the last time they did that. They would have brought, like, who was the defensive tackle they brought in as, like, an extra fullback? That would have been, like, maybe oh, a 2018 I know, I know you're talking about. I know, I know you're talking about. That would be, like, the last time. So it would be, like, four years. Wow. It's been – it has certainly been a minute. But, yeah, Is I think – Lampkin? Oh, it was, Devon, it was Devontae it was. Lampkin. It was Devontae Lampkin. Nice name grab. Gosh, I haven't heard that name. I don't know how I remember that. He should have stayed another year in Oklahoma, in my opinion. That would have benefited him so much. Uh, but, yeah, but you didn't have really have a leader as your head coach, so that is kind of hard to mentor people. Fair enough. But yeah, I, I also think that they're kind of working out that balance, right? And of course, I mean, Jeff Levy said, you know, obviously they're going to look at film. They the things they made mistakes on can be actually solved in film. Uh, talking about the three and out situation, it's going to happen with this offense. I mean, that's just the way the offense is designed to go really fast. And so when it's designed to go really fast, there's that. But at the same time, people started to like murmur in the crowd that you have three shape <laughs> yeah. possessions with, you know, a lot of them, the majority of those plays or passes are like, people starting to whisper like this feels like a little bit like I've seen this year. before yeah, i've seen this before and then of course oklahoma just pounds them with the run game basically pretty much for the rest of the game right um and then naturally has play action and do things like that that enable them to do to open up their game a little bit more but what are some things that you think we learned maybe or if anything or it, are there any big takeaways for you for this game I think maybe the biggest takeaway, and Eric Gray had a great game. I don't want to oh, take yeah. that away from him, but I think Marcus Major should probably be the feature back. Ooh. Eric Gray's great oh. between the 20s. But it's not a Marcus bowl game Major, yet, Stephen Brown. He just brings something a little bit different. And Javante Barnes as well, but obviously with a fumble, you don't know when you're going to see him again because that's just a big no-no. But yep, don't do that. If Marcus Major has everything together and, you know, you know, he has the off the field stuff taken care of. I think he should be the, the feature back. Steven Brown is buying stock and I, in Marcus I, Major. And I wow. wasn't going to buy Marcus Major. If you go back to his recruiting, and uh, I think someone in particular that blocked me on Twitter called him the next Adrian Peterson. I was like, there's no way. That was the dumbest <laughs> thing you could have said. But he looks I great. I think a lot of people know who you're talking about. Maybe. He blocks a lot of guys. He used to block a lot of guys on the field, too. So, I mean, that'll give you That's a good fine. hint. Uh, but yeah, no, Major looked good um, in his carries. Of course, again, the offensive line was opening up holes for him, especially as they realized Dylan Gabriel is a capable runner. I, if you've seen film on Gabriel before, you know he's a capable runner. But I think I just think people were not expecting that kind of runner and the kind of reads he was able to make because the past few quarterbacks Oklahoma's had with those read options and those RPOs, it felt like sometimes they weren't sure when to give the ball and when to keep the ball And Dylan Gabriel. Maybe it was the defensive looks they were giving him, but he made the right read every time in that game for the most part. And, but yeah, man, Marcus major had a lot of holes to run through, but he was physical and getting after guys. Uh, Eric Gray ran over a defensive lineman. So that'll tell you a little <laughs> bit about UTEP in general. If but Eric Gray can never get out of a cut. He's gonna be great, oh, but when he cuts, it's just it just slows down a lot. That I that think, long I think his play, leads might need to be changed out too because he was sliding a lot too. So I don't that, think that helped him. That that long play down the sideline at like the three yard line, 
he tried to maybe sidestep, but he kind of slammed on the bl- the brakes a little bit to do that. Instead oh, that of just, hurt my knees. Instead of just jump cutting to the right. And as soon as he did that, you saw mud fly up in the air and he got tackled. If he just cuts inside just a little bit, he probably gets 20 plus more yards, possibly a touchdown. But that's the kind of thing. And that's the reason why I was like, hey, Eric Gray could maybe get a thousand yards. He got over 100 this game. Uh, But of course, and they have more competition. That's going to be better throughout the year. So we'll see. But they're just taking what they're giving them. Um, And. I think I think a big takeaway is the defense is going to force the issue. I mean, they are going to disguise things. They're going to you saw a lot of pre-snap things going on and you saw a lot of pre-snap looks and that Brent Venables is setting up plays to get that ultimate one, that ultimate home run, that ultimate, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to lull them to sleep with this and then hit them with this corner blitz or something like that, that it's just different. You're scheming open plays, not just on offense, but also on defense instead of just telling the defenders what to do in a particular play. And that was kind of like one of my big takeaways from this game as well. But what has you excited and intrigued for this team in particular and maybe some reservations you still have about this team? Just because, you know, a lot of starters are pulled after the second. Yeah, well, defensively, I think they're going to get even better. Um, obviously, Billy Bowman almost had his one-handed interception. Uh, Stutzman almost had an interception. So there are some opportunities there they missed. If they just capitalize on those, they're going to be an incredibly good defense this year. Um, offensively, I think uh, one thing that's very intriguing is we kind of thought that Jeff Levy would go back to his UCF offense under Josh Heupel. And you still see, I mean, you saw some of that there, but you also saw the the Lane Kiffin influence. So um, this isn't going to be like a bland uh, Bryles air raid. It's going to be a mixture of a few different things. I think that's very, very exciting for the future. Yeah, you you saw you saw a lot of a little bit of ground and pound, just as much as you saw them just trying to throw dudes open in. I mean, they weren't afraid to take those deep shots. And later on in the game, I think I saw Jaden Gibson on the field. But as the season goes on, I think you'll see a lot more of those younger guys kind of with those reps in practice, get a, get a lot more things going on probably a little bit lo- later in the year. So they don't waste their eligibility, if if you will. Uh, but something that I thought was really, really that I'm really excited for and intrigued, intrigued about in particular Gotta love the linebackers. Uh, I think I thought, I thought Stutzman and David Aguebu. I think Brent Venables loves what he has in those linebackers, the diversity of skill that those that those players bring, and just the intensity and the the the, the defensive IQ that they have between their ears. It, that it's incredible, and I also loved our Mason Thomas that. Apparently, Danny Stutzman has been just making up random first names that would begin with R. So, like, uh, he can just call him, like, something something Mason Thomas. But I thought he was in a pleasant surprise. Um, and then Jaren you called Hannon. it. You were you were a big fan of Reggie Grimes. Good Lord, he had a good day. I, what, do you have, like, two and a half sacks, three sacks? Uh, at least two. 
I, I haven't checked the stat box yet. Because but... he definitely had one by himself. He had the one where the quarterback fumbled, and I think he was half these with somebody else on another. I'm trying to find it. It had uh, three, three-ish? Two Some and a half. Run. Two and a half. Okay, so, and okay half. so it was two and a half sacks. Okay. But he looks you good. Call, you call he, yeah, he looks really good. And he kind of fits. Like, I mean, I've said it like two or three times on Twitter, but what, what they had in Austin Bryan at Clemson, he reminds me of just having that. It's like a hybrid body. He's not necessarily like a true defensive end. He's not, he's not huge by any means, but he's physical enough to get by people and he's quick. And that's kind of what Austin Bryant was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's fair. And, and you, I think you called it like a great value version of Austin Bryant. He's looking but, not like a great value, but he's looking a lot better than that now. So if they can keep on buying into that and keep on you know, with them, with that mindset, every, with that high motor, because Brent came out and said specifically right after the game that this game of football is one in the trenches on both sides. And I think he was sending a message there uh, specifically about how hard you try every single down, because I think there were plays where guys were like, it's UTEP. I'm going to, they're not taking the playoff, but went about it casually instead of physically 100% of the time. Um, and I think that's I think that's something that he was going to do that as far as something I still have questions about. I'm still I'm I'm not convinced, particularly about the defensive line being awesome. I know that they are going to be a cohesive unit. I know that Jalen Redmond is better than probably what we saw this past Saturday. I'm curious of their limitations. I feel like the offensive line ceiling is higher than the defensive line ceiling. And so I am a little bit still approaching this defensive line just with inquiry, I suppose, because I think that I'm not sure what their, what their limit is on the talent cap. Does that make sense? Their floor is really good. Yeah, but I'm not sure the upside there is quite what you would see at like Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia. I don't think it's anywhere near that. But their floor is a lot better than a lot of teams. Yeah, and like you, you watch what Oklahoma put on the field, and then you watch Notre Dame and Ohio State, right? Uh, a little bit later on that night, and you're like, okay, different look, different look, different bodies, different talent, and. You know, when you have a dude like DJ Hicks, that, and that's why you get so excited, right? With a dude like DJ Hicks and other defensive linemen that they're hot on their tail or already have committed, uh, that gets you really, really, really excited about what this team could be in the future with those types of guys that you can just rush for and just kill with the other seven on the back end and at the second and third levels. Um, anything you have questions about in particular? Um, just like really the offensive line would be the biggest question. It's okay. just kind of, you kind of alluded to it. Their ceiling is higher, but I don't know how high it is mm. because I think once they have everyone together, I think the tackles will be very serviceable, but um, they weren't really just running over people too much. They could lean on them late and that's just some of the tempo taking effect, but uh, I still have some questions at the guard spot. Okay. Okay. In particular. So that'd be like the one downside. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so this is part of the podcast. That's pretty casual that we usually end the podcast with. So 
Let's, ha- let's pass out some helmet stickers. You can do at least one on offense and defense. You can do more if you'd like. So what what are some helmet? On- let's, let's go offense first. If there are guys that you would pass out a helmet sticker- stickers to, um, one or more, who would they be? I'd have to go Dylan Gabriel. I didn't think he had a magnificent game, but um, he was pretty... He was pretty steady. He was consistent. He was never too high. He was never too down. And that's kind of what you want, at least early in this this season. You want a leader on the field. And he's a guy that doesn't panic. Um, he's pretty, pretty, uh, he's pretty even minded. keel. Yeah. yeah. So I'd give him a, a sticker there, even though he did miss some, some very open looks. But I thought as a leader, he looked really good. Okay. Okay. Anybody else on offense? Braden Willis. And that one's obvious. That's that's the obvious that one, right? Look, look different. Gosh, he looked different, and he's going to participate in this offense differently. And I think with Daniel Parker coming back eventually, uh, he's going to be more effective because right. he's going to have less duties, especially blocking on his body that will enable him to do more athletic things and more pass-catching things. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'd probably go Gavin Freeman. I mean, first touch of your career in Oklahoma, it's a touchdown. Was that 53 yards? Yeah, like true that? freshman walk-on from Heritage Hall. You you spend two guys and follow it up with a, with a stiff arm. That's that's pretty special. It didn't, those shoes he was wearing, those are pretty nice. Good. I know, I'm not going to lie. All right, since you got Braden, uh, you got Dylan Gabriel, uh, you got Gavin Freeman, I'm going to go the interior offensive, offensive line. I All three of those dudes – you get a thumbs up for me. Uh, not really any mistakes from those guys. They beat the hell out of UTEP's defensive line. Those guys. And I'm going to go Eric Gray. He read he read those blocks pretty well. I mean, it wasn't just him running through open holes for the majority of the game. At, at Sometimes he had to be patient for Braden Willis to get to his block at the second level. And at other times he just made nice decisions. And I think he deserves a helmet sticker. I thought he did really, really well again. Yeah. 102 yards, 16 carries. He could be something pretty special in the past game. Uh, a little bit later, as you saw, he was special in the past game early. That's they're moving the ball so fast. Um, now let's pivot to, to, to defense. Who are some of your defensive players of the game? Who who, who your who your helmet stickers going to here? I'll go. Uh, obviously, Reggie Grimes had a great game, um, so I'll go there. Danny Stutzman being incredibly physical in the middle uh billy bowman I, he gave up some catches but those were very consistent that was just a really good catch like there's really not much you can do about it mm-hmm. um and really i mean i guess you'd say the entire secondary because there wasn't guys running free everyone was covered obviously you had that little lapse in the the zone coverage but i don't think i saw a guy just running behind the defense ever yeah and, and... I, I had Stutzman, Aguebu, Bowman on my list, right? Um, give me give me Jordan Kelly and Isaiah Coe. I knew you would go with Grimes, too. So give me Jordan Kelly and Isaiah Coe. Give me the other guys. Of course, Jeff Johnson was a guy that was in there that just was a total stopgap. Nothing was getting past him. Basically, the defensive interior defensive line and just the defensive line in general had a pretty good day. I mean, they had the, that quarterback run for his life for the most part. Lots of third and longs. Um, and gosh, just give everybody a daggum helmet sticker for the most part. All those starters, <laughs> they played those starters, they were killing that UTEP front. 
they knew what to expect. A great anticipation, being where they were supposed to be. Venables coaching up Danny Sussman in the middle of the game, even though he tipped two passes. One of them went right through his hands. Could have been an interception. Billy Bowman coming down, making plays. If he tries to catch with both hands, he gets an interception, but he tips <laughs> it up with one hand, but could still be really special. Um, very excited for that. Helmet stickers of the defense all around. Love, love, love that. Um, the, any more, anybody else that you maybe get a helmet sticker to? Game ball? Who's the game ball go to? Other than Brent. Uh, other than Brent. Brent deserves it. Brent. I mean, Jeff Levy, I guess you could say, gets a game ball. That's a pretty pretty good uh, opening for his offense. Okay. I don't think, uh, especially, wasn't he up in the box? I'm pretty Le- sure. Yeah, Levy is in a, he's a box coordinator. So, I mean, I thought that was, it looked very impressive from, from start to finish. It never looked like they were trying to figure out what they should do. Yep. And my game ball will go to, I'm not going to pick a player. My game ball will go to Jerry Schmidt. Uh, this team looks different. They certainly act different, and they hit different. That gang tackling, I mean, because that was the thing under Alex Grinch, like, oh, the gang tackle. No. The, what we saw on Saturday was actually gang tackling, and that's how turnovers and forced fumbles happen. And I'm pretty excited for what this team can do. Maybe not this year. Of course, like I, I expect them to be good this year, but you're getting visions of what this team could be like two years down the road. And it looks nice as of now. I'll give a, I'll give a uh, game ball to the bartender on the, uh, the club seating on the East side. Very busy day, obviously super hot. People are trying to get drinks, handle it with class. Uh, he was, he was, he was kind of like Dylan Gabriel. Never got too high. Never got too low. Consistent, um, Right. And he was dealing with a bunch of, Let's be honest, there's some olds up there that didn't have Apple Pay. And the card reader wasn't working. He's very patient. Uh-oh. So he was actually doing the the chips for him. He were, he remained calm under pressure. Very impressive. Great work on, on week one. Yeah, and that's important. That's so, so important. All right, man. Hey, so Kent State next week, it it's the pay-per-view game. But if you already have an ESPN Plus account, which is actually relatively cheap, it's like five bucks. Um it's a 6 p.m. kick. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, there will be more tests of a talent than UTEP. It should be uh, prior to going to Lincoln, Nebraska. But anything else before we get off on this podcast? Um, I think special teams was, wasn't talked about, but the kick, the, the kickoff with uh, Stutzman and Kanik right in the middle, mm. that is intimidating. That is a nice-looking kickoff team. Kanik is fast as hell. And the camera, were you there for the, uh, the coin toss? Mm-mm. So they they got a new camera for the coin toss, and it looks incredibly impressive on the big board. It's like okay. the same one they use in like the NBA playoff games, like the 4K or 8K. Whatever oh, okay, they do. I see. Uh, so that's a little new addition. It looked really good. Yeah, special teams a special teams a thing. And whoever hit Marvin Mims on that uh, fair catch, we're gonna we're gonna you know, we're not gonna actually we just wanna we just wanna talk. We just wanna talk. <laughs> no, I don't. I think they took him out the rest of the game. Yeah. I didn't see 19 in the game at all. Yeah, just 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 want to talk. But uh, all right, man. Hey, this is our first post game podcast of the season of the Brent Venables era. Um, hopefully, to have a great another conversation next week. 
You guys can follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. You can follow me and Steven on Twitter, me, Robin at CCM, at CCM. You can follow Steven at OEFDATESB. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, check back with us in the middle of the week for a, another podcast where we talk about more what's going on with, with the team and also previewing Kent State. We'll check you guys later.